Let's go into the message. Uh, we are in Risk Takers Part 2. Uh, this series is all about uh, looking at men and women in Scripture who really took risks for God and did something significant. And we're looking at some principles that we can, we can glean. Uh, and, and maybe some of you in this room, uh, you're, you're probably on a spectrum of, of, of risk aversion or risk taking. Uh, but the reality is this. Jesus said to when you follow him, you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. Uh, there's a cost to this faith. And, uh, but it's, it's worth it every single time. And uh, today we're looking at a man uh, that some of you may be familiar with named Moses. Uh, pretty significant in our faith. He wrote the, he was the primary author of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, he was the one that God chose to actually write out the Ten Commandments that God uh, had gave uh, at that time, Israel, but for us. Um, he also was the one who led the Israelites out of slavery into freedom and across the Red Sea. And uh, in fact, Moses, Jesus even spoke about Moses and his teachings uh, in the New Testament. So Moses is a very important person in the history of our faith. And we're going to look today specifically at the narrative when he led the Israelites across the Red Sea. Uh, a pretty miraculous moment. And, and why I love the, the story of Moses and his life is, is for a number of reasons. But one of them is this, is that in Exodus 4, 3 and 4, when, when God uh, shows up to him through a burning bush, um, Moses gives many reasons why not to, for God to choose him. On a side note, when God showed up to Moses in a burning bush, Moses was at the ripe young age of 80 years old. Come on. Uh, as a reminder, just to encourage you, regardless of what age you find yourself in, God has a purpose for your life. And can I speak to a moment for those who may consider yourself on the back half of life? Uh, number one, we honor you. Number two, my generation and generations younger than me, we need you. And if you believe that, can I get an amen? amen. And God has purpose for you. Because God called Moses at the ripe young age of 80. Uh, so we see, and he, he, he then gives God all of these reasons why not to use him. Well, God, I'm not, I'm not eloquent of speech. God, I, you know, who am I? And just a reminder as well, God does not call the qualified he qualifies the cult. And a good sign, if you feel called to do something you feel unqualified or ill-equipped for, can I encourage you in this place? I actually think God loves to call you in those places because it's in those places where you are more dependent on him. May I even go so far to say this? If what you feel called to, you can do without God or somebody else, I would question if it actually is God. Because God loves to call you into things where you're like, God, if you don't come through, this won't happen. And we see that with Moses. And God comes through for Moses. And can I tell you, God wants to do the same in your life as well. But let's dive into the scripture first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Uh, we pray as we open it up today that you would speak to us. God, we thank you. This word's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, we posture our hearts and minds to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, the production team already has my, my preaching clock going down. Come on, somebody. That was prayer time, not preaching time, okay? Okay? I'm going to add some time in my mind. Uh, just kidding. I love our production team. They're amazing. Um, uh, 
Well, let's dive into Exodus chapter 13. If you're, if you're there, if you have your Bibles with you, if not, they'll be on the screens. If it's new to you, Exodus is the uh, second book of the Bible. Um, I think I may have said this, but if not, if you're a guest with us, we're so honored you're here. I know Pastor Anu welcomed you. I'd uh, love to direct you to fill that connection card out. And we have a guest reception right outside at our guest services area. I have a gift for you. I'd love to meet you if I have not as well. And we have that same connection card there online. But let's read the Bible, Exodus 13. Uh, if you don't know where it is, it's my Bible. It's page 66, okay? Uh, verse 17 says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them through the road to the Philistine country, though it was shorter. Uh, give context uh, if you're unfamiliar with this narrative. Real briefly, uh, God chose Moses. The Israelites were enslaved for 400 years. God chose Moses, again, a man who felt unqualified, to lead them out of slavery. He goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, no, no. So God sends 10 plagues to Egypt. And the final plague, uh, Pharaoh loses his, his son. Uh, and that prompts Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, clearly seeing that God's hand was on the Israelites. And uh, what we see here now is that now they're, they're in freedom. And it says this, that for God said, so they're, in the sh- they're on the longer route now. For God said if they face war, they might, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones with you, up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped for Eth- at Etham. On the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So they neither could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Uh, three applications points from this passage. We're going to get a little bit into Exodus 14 as well. Here's the first point if you're taking notes. How do we live a life where we walk by faith and not by sight, as the Bible says, is we must trust God's path. We must trust God's path. The scripture says that, 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 that God did not take them on the shorter route. He took them on the longer route. Anybody have an area of your life where you feel like God has you on the long route? Come on. Maybe it's taking longer than you thought it would to find that special someone. It's taking longer than you thought it would to end up in that job that's been in your heart as a dream. It's been taking longer than you thought it would to see healing come to your uncle that you're believing for. Have you ever had to wait for something before? Anybody else, if you're like me, come on, you're like, sometimes your timetable is faster than God's. Come on. It's like, come on, God, we got Instagram. We got Instapot. Give me Insta Jesus, right? Come on. Anybody else? I mean, like, I'm like, come on, God. It's 2022, right? You knew this. <laughs> but, but sometimes uh, God's more like a crock pot than an Instapot. Or come on, for all, the, for all the older folks, including myself in the room, he's more like a MySpace on your AOL internet. <laughs> come on, somebody. Anybody else have AOL dial-up internet back in the day? Come on. See, kids, they don't know the pain of that. And then if somebody called while you were signing on, it kicked you off. Come on, remember that? Whew. They don't know. They don't know. I think as my kids get older, I'm going to actually get AOL dial-up internet just to make them feel the pain. Come on, right? 
just like, yeah, we're not doing broadband. We're, we're going to do dial-up. Come on. You hear that screeching sound? You know. Anyway, sorry. I'm off my notes. So he takes them the longer way around and, and the shorter. But here's what he says. He says the reason he does it because if they would have gone the shorter route, they would have, they would have ran to the Egyptians. And watch this. He says then they would have become re-enslaved. God cared so much for their freedom. He says, I'd rather you take the longer way around than be re-enslaved again. Can I tell you what you may think is a detour is actually saving your life. Sometimes we think, God, why is it taking so long? He sees the end from the beginning. You do not. And he may actually be saving yourself, sometimes saving yourself from yourself by taking you the long way around. And, and, but also we know this, right, that God, it's, it, have you ever found this? That it's oftentimes, it's in the waiting. Let me put it this way. Oftentimes our character traits, let's take humility for example. We know this, right? Humility is not developed through a promotion. It's developed in the process. Have you found that? Character is developed in the process, not in the promotion. Developed in the waiting, not when you get what you were waiting for. And, and God is far more concerned with what he's doing in you than actually what he has for you. Because sometimes what he wants to give you will break you if you do not allow him to do something in you. See, he has something for you. He wants to bless you. That dream job in your heart, you're waiting to be married, you're waiting to have kids, you're waiting on that. Whatever you're waiting for, listen, God wants to bless you. The scripture's clear about that. But he is far more concerned with what he's doing in you. And, and you know what you'll find? You know what you'll find as you walk with God? You'll actually find the process, what he does in the process, is even better than the promotion. Because he develops something in you that will last. Can I tell you, jobs will come and go, but the Bible says that a humble person, God will lift up. So he says, I'm going to develop humility on the inside of you so that you live a life where I am lifting you up and you're not having to lift you up by your own self. God wants to do something in you. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm an impatient person, so I don't like that scripture. Come on. Like, like I, I, but what the Bible says is, listen, that's in patience. God matures you and develops you so you lack nothing. You're asking God, God, I want, I want more. I want blessing. And the Bible says if you want to lack nothing, then learn to embrace patience. Proverbs says this, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That proverb says this, that God's path is the best path. But then I love this because they, they're, they're going about their, their way. And then the scripture says in verse 19 that Moses stopped and took the bones of Joseph with him. Now, can you imagine you're on a road trip with somebody and they're making a pit stop. And you say, oh, well, we're we getting some Chipotle. Oh, we're getting like coffee. No, I got to get the bones of a dead man. 
I'm like, you crazy. Pull this car over right now. <laughs> Get an Uber, right? But like, and now, mind you, these were bones over 400 years old. They had been enslaved for 400 years. Why did Moses grab the bones of a man who was dead for 400 years? Here's why. Because Joseph, in Genesis, it says this, Joseph believed God when God had promised the promised land to the Israelites. So you know what Moses did? Moses did this. I'm going to take these bones as a reminder of God's faithfulness. He had promised it then, and now we're seeing the fulfillment of it now. Can I tell you, while you're waiting on God to move in your life, you need to remind yourself of the faithfulness of God in your life. That while you're believing God for that dream job, you need to remind yourself of that spouse that you have that years ago was actually something you were on your knees praying for. Those children in your home that years ago you were praying for. That program you're in now, years ago you were praying for. Some of you need to remind yourself of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Two people are with me. Okay, that's okay. Remind yourself. God was faithful then. He'll be faithful again. You need to remind yourself of the goodness of God. Remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. Remind yourself of the prayers that he answered. But also this. Joseph believed God. He, the, the bones reminded him of the promise. Can I tell you, you need to remember the promises of God when you are in the process. You need to remember the promises of God when you are in the waiting. The promises are all throughout Scripture. There's promises of healing, promises of blessing all throughout the Scriptures. You need to hold on to the promises of God when you find yourself in the process of waiting. And there are times God may give you a promise just for you. I remember when we started the, the church in 2019, in 2018, I was in the process of, of finding a location. One of the first things you do when you're a church planter is you find a location. It's hard to have a church if you don't have a meeting space. So I was looking for a location. And, and when I was looking for a location, it kind of went like this. I got, I got a no, a no, a no-no, and a never. I remember when the woman told me never, I said, never? I was like, so you know the end from the beginning. Come on, you know. Sorry, I got a little salty. Um, Hey, I need Jesus too, okay? <laughs> so, so what I did was, I, I'd gone to all these event venues. I'd gone to schools. I'd gone all over Bethesda because when we prayed about starting a church, Christina and I both felt God was calling us to start a church for the Washington, D.C. area starting in Bethesda. So I was like, so I went back to that promise, and I said, God, you're the one that said Bethesda. So therefore, if you said it, you do it. So I held on to that promise. And can I tell you, there were moments, there were days where I was concerned, I was worried, but I held on to that promise. And can I tell you, there was one day I drove by a place called the Bethesda Row Cinema. Come on, Dan. Was anyone here when we were in the Bethesda Row Cinema? Come on, make my noise, movie people. Come on. With sticky floors. Come on. Thank you for trusting us with sticky floors. Come on. Uh, we thank God we're not in that cinema anymore. But can I tell you, as soon as we walked into that place, the doors just swung right open. And we knew God was in this. Can I tell you, you need to hold on to the promises of God while you're waiting in the process. you got to hold on to what God said to you. you got to hold on to what God's word says. And then it says that God went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to lead them. You know what's intriguing is that God, the, the Israelites, they had a promise from God. But they did not just rely upon the promise. They were dependent upon God's spirit. He manifested in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. 
Which, let's just stop for a moment. How many of you know that's pretty cool? Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I don't have a pillar of fire. Um, we have the Holy Spirit now on the inside of us. So we don't need the pillar of fire, but kind of like, that'd be kind of cool, Jesus, just maybe for a day, you know? Um, but he had, they had this cloud and, and fire by night. But they relied upon the, the leadership of the Spirit. And let me say this to those of you in the room, you've been walking with God for a long time. Be careful. You do not rely upon an old promise and forget to daily submit yourself to his Spirit. Don't rely upon yesterday's bread. And make sure you're not just doing spiritual muscle memory. That you're actually daily saying, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in my life? Spirit of God. Can I tell you, the Bible says God is doing a new thing. He's not doing the thing he did in 2019. He's doing a new thing. So are you sensitive? Are you, are you aware? What's the new thing that God wants to do in your life? But then he spoke by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. You know what that tells me? Because even the Bible says he could have, the pillar of fire would have worked it day and night, but he did, he did a different expression. And here's what this, this tells us, is that God will sometimes express himself. He will sometimes speak to us in different forms. For example, he may speak to you, and he does speak to us through his written word. But how many know God is not limited to his written word? God can speak to you in a prayer moment. God can speak to you in a worship service like this. God can speak to you in the lobby by our coffee area. Can I tell you, last Sunday, there was a moment. In fact, actually, first service. This is a true story. There was something someone said to me in first service in the lobby. That's why I would encourage you, come early and stay late. Because here's why. God may have a word for you that you're missing because you overslept or you rush out of here. Hey, there's no condemnation. I want the best for you. But can I tell you, somebody stopped me and said something to me first service, and I told them, this is, the Lord is talking through you. Have you ever had that moment before where somebody said something, you knew, oh, God is speaking to that person right now. Like, he can speak through a person. He can speak through his word. He can speak in a time of prayer where all of a sudden you just feel this strong. Listen, God's never spoken audibly to me. He can. He hasn't to me. But he'll speak through a strong impression. While I'm praying, I'll just I'll feel this strong impression. Now, God will never contradict his word. But listen, here's what I want to say to you, is that when you are yielding to the spirit of God, make yourself, make yourself aware of, make yourself sensitive to the different ways that he can speak. And sometimes he may speak more through other places. If you find yourself and your time in the word, maybe you don't feel like God's speaking to you like he once did, that might mean you need to avail yourself to community and get into a community group because maybe God wants to speak to you through somebody else. God wants to speak to you through your prayer time. But be yielded to the Holy Spirit because God wants to speak to you. And you go back to our story of the church. Back, this was like now, I don't know how many years ago it was many years ago, maybe 12, 13 years ago, 13 years ago, when we were, Christine and I were praying about moving to the Washington, D.C. area, how God spoke to me is I opened up, I was reading my Bible reading plan, Genesis 12, where, where the Bible, it says, he, God told Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. And God, in that moment, just, I had this strong impression, he said, Jeremy, I want you to go to Washington, D.C., and I will show the rest of it to you. Can I tell you, I didn't see Catalyst Church 12 years ago. But you know who did? God. You know my instruction? Go. On a side note, 
Some of you may be hesitant to go because you don't have the full picture. Do you know what faith looks like? And I'm quoting Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. Some of you have more faith in certainty than you have in God. And the reason you're not seeing God move in your life because you are more consumed with certainty than you are with trusting the one who knows the end from the beginning. This is a word for somebody in this room right now or watching online. You need to go right now. God said go. I don't know what it is for you, but you need to do it and trust God. God then, he actually confirmed we were to move up here in a worship service like this. Can I tell you, when, I come, when you come into environments, bring a notepad. Don't bring a notepad to record what Jeremy says. Bring a notepad to record what God says. And let me just speak straight neuroscience. You have a very low likelihood of remembering something unless you write it down. That's just science. So why would you not come in expecting to hear from God and be ready to write something down? Take notes, because I believe this. I was in a worship service like this, and God spoke to both of us to move to the D.C. area. And then it was in prayer, fast forward like eight years, it was in a prayer time. God spoke to Christina and I separately, a strong impression, that we were to start a church in Bethesda. And then it was our leaders' voices in our life that confirmed the timing. Can I tell you, perhaps the reason you're not hearing God on an area of your life, because you have not availed yourself to all the way that he speaks. Avail yourself. He, he led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. So the first point, you got to trust God's path. The second point is this, is you have to choose faith over fear. Verse 10 of Exodus 14. Let me give context. The Israelites leave Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh has remorse. Like, I shouldn't have done that. So he goes after them, the 600 chariots, to, to kill them, to, or to re-enslave them, essentially. And, and the scripture says this, that as he approached the Israelites, they looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Now, let me give you context. These same Israelites who were scared to death... Just, just moments earlier, saw God do 10 plagues on the Egyptians. Like you would think, man, maybe, maybe if God did something then, he could do it again, maybe, right? And they're, they're, they're fearful. And here's a word I want to give you. When you're walking this, the Bible says this, you need to walk by faith and not by sight. Be careful what you look to. Because the moment they looked at the Egyptians, they were fearful. You have to guard your gaze. Listen, it's easy to be full of faith in pleasant circumstances. It's hard, it's challenging to be full of faith in difficult circumstances. Have you experienced this? It's easy to be full of faith when you're healthy. It's challenging when you're sick. It's easy to be full of faith when, in your marriage when your spouse never gets on your nerves. Come on, married people, where are you at? Don't be nudging your husband, okay? I, I see that. It's harder to be full of faith for your marriage when there's tension. It's easy to be full of faith when you're emotionally healthy. It can be hard to be full of faith when you're anxious. Can I tell you what you do when you face fear? Because you will face fear. In fact, the Bible says when trials come, not if they come, is you have to fight for faith. I remember when we had our first child, Hannah. Uh, Christina was in uh, hours of labor, and... After hours of labor, they found as Hannah's going through the birth canal, her umbilical cord was wrapped around her shoulder. 
That's the way they kind of, it was basically wrapped here. So every time she came through the canal, her heart rate plummeted. So all of a sudden, the doctors like shift. They go from like, you know, kind of more casual to like serious. They rush Christina out of the room. They say, I do an emergency C-section. They put me in this small room by myself. Can I tell you, for at least a few moments, maybe even minutes, fear was eating my lunch. I was like, what if my daughter doesn't make it? What if my wife has complications? And in that moment, and it was, I believe it was the Holy Spirit on the inside of me rose up, I just started to pray. And can I tell you, I fought fear with faith. And listen, fear is going to come. You cannot say, well, faith is the absence of fear. No, you actually fight for faith right in the face of fear. And you say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to believe God. But you have, to, you have to guard what you look at. And you have to guard what voices you listen to. You know, one of the best personal investments I've made in my life is noise-canceling headphones. Can anyone testify to that in your life? Come on, somebody. Where are my introverts at? Come on, people. You're like, this means me time, right? Come on. They're great. I, when, I'm, when I'm working on a message or doing a project, I put them on. I'm at the gym. I have them on. When I don't want to hear my three children, I put them on. Come on, somebody. Chaos around me, peace within me. Don't judge me. I need Jesus, okay? But I can't hear you if I have them on. Like, you, you could talk to me. You could yell at me. I won't be able to hear you. But I was at the gym one day, and I think someone was, like, yelling my name because they told me afterwards, and I didn't hear them. I, was, I had my headphones in, and they finally had to grab my shoulder to get my attention. And they kind of jarred me. Um, but let me say this. Some of you... You need to put on some fear-canceling headphones. Here's what I mean. There are some of you, the reason you have more fear than faith for your marriage is because you're listening more to your friend who's still bitter over their divorce for your marriage than you're listening to the voice of God. The reason you have more fear than faith for your workplace because you're listening to a bitter coworker a negative coworker, more than you're listening to the voice of God. Some of you have more fear over the inflation or over the pandemic or whatever it might be because you're listening more to news media than you are to the word of God. Listen, I'm not saying you completely shut yourself off, but here's what I'm saying. You have to decide for yourself, is this feeding my fear or is this feeding my faith? Because some of you may be fearing things that are actually not a threat at all to you, but you believe the lie of the enemy because you're listening to the wrong voices. And sometimes the wrong voice is actually your voice. It's the inner critic. That's why Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to make sure that you are listening to the right Voices, get some fear canceling headphones, turn down, distance yourself from certain, certain people. Examine your life. Where am I more full of fear than I am full of faith for what something is in my life? And then you may need to re examine, restructure, recondition what you're actually lending your ears to, fixing your gaze on. Because here are these Israelites full of fear. Here's a Paul said in Romans 8 15. Watch this. The spirit you receive, the Holy Spirit, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Do you know that one of the ways the enemy enslaves us as Christians is in fear? The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. The scripture doesn't say some fear, most fear, 
Do you know what all means in the Greek? All. Profound. You're impressed, I know. He says, but rather the spirit you received brought you about your adoption to sonship. Then watch this, verse 11. The, the Israelites said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us to the desert to die? Now, really read, the, read this with fresh eyes. Just read it for, for a moment. What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Could you imagine someone saying, what have you done to me for freeing me from slavery? I thought you had lost your darn mind. Come on. Can I say darn? I don't know if I could. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Do you hear this? They're saying, Moses, why did you free us from slavery? <laughs> I'd be like, Moses is like, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure I heard you correctly? <laughs> that you want me to free these people? Right? Come on. Here's why. Even though slavery was dysfunctional, it was comfortable. They, they knew when their next meal would come. They, 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 they knew what they would eat. Everything was comfortable. And can I say this? Sometimes the reason we don't change things in our life that are dysfunctional is because it's comfortable. You go back to that dysfunctional relationship because you've been with him for four years on and off. It is incredibly dysfunctional. You know it is, but you're comfortable. You know, you, you, you stay in consumer debt, and you know that you could live more financially free and be able to do some things you want to do, but the reason, because it's actually comfortable to keep your spending habits than it is to change. That, that it's actually more comfortable to stay in your cycle of anxiety, even though it's dysfunctional, than to actually go through therapy. Come on, when you go through therapy, it's uncomfortable. Can anyone testify? Come on, I have been there, right? But listen, in order to become functional, you have to make yourself uncomfortable. And here they are. It reminded me of years ago, one of our children, Christina and I potty trained three of our kids. Um, you know, any parents feel this way? I feel like potty training children it's like so hard and so difficult and, and so impressive. You should be able to put that on your LinkedIn profile. Come on, somebody. Anybody else? It's like, I got two graduate degrees. Big deal. I, I potty trained three kids. Like, I'll go through a graduate program any day and potty train another child. I'll be honest. I didn't potty train our kids. Christina potty trained our kids. I was just present. Um, you know, in like racing, when you drift behind somebody else, you know, and you kind of catch their, and you don't really have to go as fast. Well, that's basically me and Christina, so pray for her. Um, but I was there, so we potty trained three children. So I remember one of our children in particular, I won't name names, because one day they'll probably see this and be like, Dad, I can't believe you said that. And I'll say, well, the truth hurts, you know. Um, no, but I won't say their name. But anyways, they... Um, do I? Oh, here it is. Okay, I had to make sure I found it. I have a pull-up here on stage this morning. Come on. Uh, Mickey version. Mickey, we've, had, we've had plenty of these. Um, just to make you feel safe and secure, this is a clean pull-up, fresh from the box. You do have to be mindful if you're around a home with children because children can have a propensity to take off their pull-up and leave it somewhere. So always make sure 
do a weight check. Come on, okay, that's too much. That's too much. You know what I'm saying? You kind of do, oh, it's got a little weight to it. Nah, <laughs> I ain't playing that game. Christina, I was going I need to stop. Um, but this one particular child, they were resistant to potty training. Any parents ever have a child resistant to potty training? Come on. You feel the pain. It's like one step forward, two steps back. It's like, come on. But you know what? I had this thought for a service. You know, I, I kind of understand it. Because if you ever think about it, like, kids are probably like, wait a minute. You want me to go sit in a hole? Come on, somebody, right? Have you ever thought about this? Like, you're like, hey, go, go sit in this hole. It's like, I might fall down there and never come back, right? But this child, they, they would take these two steps back. And then when they would go to the bathroom in their pull-up, you know, they would then kind of avoid us. I don't know if you ever had that child. Like, they go to the bathroom, and then they go, like, hide. And you're like, where are they? They went in their pants again, right? It's, like, it's almost like they know, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Or, like, come on. Like, it's, it's like, uncomfortable. Like, it's, un it's uncomfortable to be changed when they know they could have gone to the potty. And I had this thought because back to even one of our children, again, I won't name names, they would, like, avoid us. We, like, had to run after them. Like, no, come on, you need to take that off. Like, but... But here's what I want to say. The reason they stayed, they sat in their dysfunction was because this was comfortable, right? The, going in their pants is what they'd known. Sitting in a hole where they don't know where it ends <laughs> is uncomfortable. Can I ask you this very directly but lovingly? What is this for you? Maybe for you, your comfortable dysfunction is your debt. Maybe your comfortable dysfunction is an unhealthy relationship. Maybe this. Some of you, your comfortable dysfunction is you know deep down in your heart you're settling for less than God's best in your career because the job you're in is comfortable. You ever heard this? Well, it's secure, you know? Maybe a side note, if your argument for why you're still at that job is because it's secure, you might be settling for comfortable dysfunction. And be, sometimes, listen, to walk into your purpose, to walk into functional, you have to become uncomfortable, uncomfortable. And that was their case. And then Moses says then in verse 13, stand firm in the faith and you will see the deliverance of the Lord he will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I love this. It's almost as if the Israelites forgot that God was with them. Can I encourage someone? The Bible says this in Deuteronomy, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That whatever he's called you to, he is there with you. And the Bible says, stand firm in the faith. you got to choose faith over fear. Here's the last point. Is then you have to do your part. I have to do my part. Verse 15 makes me makes me laugh a little bit. you gotta, you got you to read with fresh eyes. I love this. So Moses is crying out to God. Like, imagine this for a moment. You're having a spiritual moment. You're praying to God. Oh, God, move in this situation. God, move in my marriage. Move, move in my kids' lives. God, move at work, right? And then God responds, like, why are you praying to me? Am I, can you imagine praying? God's like, why are you talking to me? He says, tell the Israelites to move on. 
Here, write this down. Do not ask God to do something for you you can do yourself. It's like, even last night, my kids walked into the kitchen, one of them, and they said, Dad, can you get me a snack? I said, you have the same two feet and the same two hands that I have to open the refrigerator door, right? Come on, somebody. I'm raising some independent kids. Come on, somebody. Ain't going to be no boomerang effect in the Burroughs household in Jesus' name, all right? When you 18, you out. Come on, somebody. I ain't playing no games. I ain't playing no games. You got to walk by faith. (laughs) Not by your parents. Come on, son. That's for somebody right now. You got to stop walking by faith on dad and walk by faith in God. Okay, I'll move on. I probably shouldn't have said that. But it's true. It's true. So so he's not going to do, listen, he's a loving God. He won't do something for you he's already created you to do for yourself. You're like, God, I pray for financial blessing. And God is like, stop spending more than you bring in. (laughs) I am blessing you. It just goes to TJ Maxx. Come on, somebody. I'm getting a little too personal now, am I? I'm sorry. I'll move on, move on. God bless my marriage. Stop disrespecting your wife. Sometimes I think God's actually saying that to us. We're asking God to do something. He's saying, you can do yourself. God, I'm praying for a promotion. Come into work on time. (laughs) Is it okay if we're a little bit real here? I know know truth can be hard, but sometimes we can over-spiritualize things God makes practical. He's asking God to move them, and he's like, I put you there to move them. Listen, we're all about prayer here at Catalyst. Prayer is our first response. We need God. But there are some things you need to not ask God to do because he's actually already said, I've done it by creating you to do it. What is that for you? What are you asking God to do that God is saying, I've actually created you to do? I've created you to create a budget and control your spending. I've created you to honor your wife. I've created you with the skills and abilities to work harder for that promotion. And then verse 16, it says, Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on the dry ground. So I have this morning with me a a staff. And uh, Moses had a staff. And in Exodus 4, actually, it's an interesting exchange he has with God because he's saying, you know, God, you know, how can I be the one that you're calling to do what you're asking me to do? And, and God says to him, and I love this, he says, Moses, what is in your hand? Here he is, 80 years old. He's, try, he, he's, he's on the backside of a desert by himself with sheep. And he's probably thinking, man, this staff ain't much. How is this shepherd's staff going to help me lead people out of slavery into freedom? And what's cool about Exodus 4, read this for yourself. I wish I had time to read it. Is it actually says, and God renames the shepherd's staff. Again, some things, it's just cool to me. God literally renames the shepherd's staff, true story, God's rod. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but I'm like, God's rod. That's pretty cool. 
And, and he, what happens is, is that he, he wants Moses to entrust his staff to him. A shepherd's staff entrusted to God becomes God's rod that can part the Red Sea. This staff may be in its natural, it leads sheep. But when God adds his super to our natural, it parts the Red Sea. Here's my question for you. What is your shepherd's staff? Your shepherd's staff is whatever excuse you give God for not doing what he's called you to do. God, I can't propose to her and be married and raise these children. I came from a broken home. God, I can't launch that business. I have an education. I have no business training. I, have, I need an MBA. God, I can't do fill in the blank because I don't have fill in the blank. And can I tell you, when you take your lack of training when you take your lack of experience, when you take your broken home, when you take whatever disability that you see as and you get put it in the hands of God, a shepherd's staff becomes God's rod. Can I tell you why I'm passionate about this? I've shared before, but it's worth sharing again because it's, I'm bragging about God. Growing up as a child, I stuttered. I had a speech impediment in my young adulthood. I was picked on in school for stuttering. So, and even in public speaking in college, I did terrible. I was so nervous because of my speech impediment. So when God calls a man who grew up with a stuttering problem to proclaim the word of God, so when someone comes up to me and says to me, as several did first service, thank you for that message, God spoke to me. Internally, I chuckle privately, I go back and say, God, you get all of the glory because you chose a stuttering young boy to proclaim your good news. Do you know what God did, church? God took my, my lowly shepherd's staff and he turned it into God's rod. And if God can do that with Moses and God can do that with me, what is your excuse for not doing what God's called you to do? What is your excuse to not use what's in your hand? And can I tell you this? Part of our, our purpose, our calling as followers of Jesus, of using what's in our hand, is participating in the body of Christ. This is why we have Team Sunday. We don't do Team Sunday because we're like, oh, we need more volunteers. No. We do Team Sunday because biblically, Ephesians 4, you have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus to participate as the body of Christ, to use what God's put in your hand because some of you have things in your hand that Ephesians 4 says when you exercise what God's put in your hand, it builds the body of Christ up in love. That's how we invite you. Some of you are gifted administratively. Some of you are gifted with your hands. Some of you are gifted with people. Some of you are gifted with children. Some of you are gifted with technology. Some of you are creative like our worship team. Use what's in your hand. And then what happens is at the end of Ephesians, or Exodus 14, it says that God had saved Israel. What happened was Moses extended his staff, God's rod, 
over the sea, the sea parts. The Israelites, all 600,000 go through. God says, now put your staff again over the Red Sea. The Egyptians were coming through. Their chariots got stuck in the mud. Moses extends his staff. The water envelops the Egyptians. They all die. And the Bible says, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and Moses, his servant. What is it God's put in your hand? What is God asking you today to entrust him with? Listen, our responsibility is to trust his path even the long way around, is to choose faith over fear, to not allow fear to be the predominant leading element of our life, but to allow faith. And then to do our part. Some of you, listen, to not, don't ask God to do what he's actually created you to do and use what he's placed in your hand. And listen, listen, Moses and we stretch our staff, God parts the Red Sea. Let let, let God do his part, but we do our part. 